Welcome to the Capital Young Adult Podcast Channel. This is the first episode of our Deep Dive podcast series, and I'm really excited about this Deep Dive podcast. We're going to be, just like it's titled, we're going to dive deep into some scripture, maybe some thematic, some themes, maybe some topics throughout scripture, or maybe we'll do something expository, textual. Uh, But we're just going to take chunks of either a theme, maybe a portion of scripture, and we're going to together, we're going to dive deep and and hopefully the goal is to um, reveal some treasures throughout scripture. What does Jesus really say about certain things? And, And I'd be really interested to hear from you and some topics and some themes and maybe even some portions of scripture that you'd like to dive deep into. Maybe there's been a theme in scripture that you have had questions about, it'd be exciting for us to dive together and discover some treasures. I remember my first year in seminary, I took a class called called hermeneutics and the first chapter, I think actually it was the intro. I don't even think we'd gotten to chapter one yet. The intro to the book talked about diving deep so that you could reveal the treasures that are in scripture. The reality is this, in order to really understand what Jesus says and what the Bible is all about, you got to dive and you got to get to the deep end. So together we're going to do that in this podcast and I'm really excited. So the future of it, um, who knows where we're going to go and what we're going to do, but we're going to have some friends of mine come on sometimes. Maybe some podcasts I'll do alone. Others I'll invite some friends and do some interviews and get their thoughts on some of the things we're going to be talking about. But I think it's going to be exciting, and I hope more than anything it's going to be encouraging to you, and um, you're going to learn something new about the scripture, and you're going to apply it to your life. So today we're going to start with the first episode of this series in our Deep Dive podcast, which is going to be called Jesus as Living Water. I like this theme um, of living water. I think it's actually... It's more of a theme throughout scripture than you would realize. And I don't even think I fully understood that until just recently I was asked um, to do a little bit of a Bible study for um, a friend of mine who's a pastor in Seattle. And she asked me to give some thoughts on um, some scriptures and some chapters in the book of John. And as I was studying the scripture, I started seeing a theme I had never seen before. And the theme was water. Now, if you know very much about the scripture in general, the Bible, um, you might notice water throughout the text quite a bit. I didn't realize until I was studying John recently that that was a probably a bigger theme than I realized. And if you if you stop for a second to think about it, isn't it funny that the Bible starts in the garden? In Genesis chapter two, it says that a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. So you have water themes all the way back in Genesis. But what I really think is crazy is that all the way to the end of scripture in Revelation 22, I think it is, 22 verse 1, it talks about the river of the water of life. It's bright as crystal and it flows from the throne of God. So we start with water in Genesis and we end with water in the book of Revelation. And then all throughout the scripture, there's water themes. It's, it, it, it's almost like as if God's a little obsessed with water because you find it quite a bit. It's a big theme in the Old Testament. It then becomes a large theme in this it, that surrounds the person of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about. Jesus as living water. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I love, I like water. Like I know a lot of people don't necessarily like to drink water that much. I don't know if you're a, I am a coffee drinker and I'm a water drinker. Those are the two things that, that I do well. Um, but I, I can notice that I get tired of drinking water. 
Um, and you might want to mix it up with a LaCroix. That's been kind of my theme during this quarantine is drinking lots of LaCroix. But what I realize is I still don't think LaCroix quenches my thirst quite like a great big glass of cold water when you get back from like a long walk maybe you've been outside working on your garden um maybe you went on a hike um come on you gotta admit the first thing you want is water you don't want coffee I hope you don't want any alcohol I hope you just want a glass of water because let's be honest that will quench your thirst uh but this is this is This is a human weakness. All of us share this same ultimate human weakness, which is thirst. And I believe that it's also an emotional thing that God has placed inside of us. I think it's a desire, a thirst, an emotional thirst, a soul thirst, if you will, that God has placed in every single one of us. But there's only one thing or one person, probably said better, that can quench it. And that's Jesus. Just like water is the only thing that can quench the thirst after a long walk, it's Jesus. It's the only one that can quench the thirst of your soul. So maybe that's why God is so obsessed with water throughout the Bible. Maybe he's making a large point all throughout the Old Testament leading into the New Testament. I don't know. But let's talk about it. Let's let's dive deep into the scripture and just see what the Bible says about water. Now, we know this. I think you can go about three days at the most without drinking water. You can eat for, you can go without food for a while. I'm not so good at that. I've never been good at fasting, so I really wouldn't know if you can go 40 days. I'm not one of those Christians that has fasted 40 days in my life. My mom has, and other really good Christians have, but, and Jesus himself did. But let's just make the point clear. Jesus only did it once, okay? So those of you who are overachievers trying to do 40-day fast, more than that, you're not better than Jesus. Jesus only did it once, but you're better than me because I've never done one. But I, I can't go very long without food. But like physically speaking, you can probably go maybe the max is 40 days without food. But you couldn't go more than two or three days without water. Why? Our body requires it. It's necessary for our body chemistry, for our organs to work. You, you don't do well with dehydration. And yet I feel like we don't realize how much we need the living water of Jesus. We go days, weeks, months, maybe even years. Maybe maybe you're listening and you've been going years without understanding that Jesus is the one who can quench the thirst of your soul. And so I'm hoping today as we unpack some little texts throughout this scripture that you can recognize and you see that Jesus is the living water and that he and he alone will satisfy your soul and the longings of your soul and the desires of your soul. So Let's talk about this. John, John's gospel. Uh, we're, we're mostly going to stay here today. We're going to we're going to look deeper in the next couple of weeks and see some of the Old Testament texts that talk about um, the water themes. Uh, we're going to unpack several texts throughout the, the gospel of John and other places in the New Testament. But I want to land just a little bit and sit here in John's gospel. Water is a big theme in 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 the gospel of John. Now, remember, John is. Uh, is as the beloved disciple he calls himself. He was one of the original 12 disciples with Jesus. He writes his gospel towards the end of the canonized scripture, it, or, or I should say it's the last gospel to be written. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were all written decades before John's gospel was written. When John wrote his gospel, he was an old, old man. So he had spent quite a bit of time, I think, pondering his time with Jesus. He had he had likely at this point read the other gospels, he probably knew um, 
what, what their major themes were. If you know much about scripture, there's what we call the synoptic gospels, which means just seeing together. Synoptic, the word means seeing or seeing together or similar. And that's how Matthew, Mark, and Luke are. But John is different. John is not one of those synoptic gospels. It looks through a different lens. It has a different perspective. John is writing to a larger audience than maybe Matthew, Mark, and Luke are. But nonetheless, John is one of the great gospels that gives us an insight into the life of Jesus here on earth. So John writes over and over again, unlike the other gospels, about water. There's this interesting scripture, and you probably have read it, or this portion of scripture in John chapter 2, the very first miracle that's done, that's recorded at least in John's gospel, um, is about Jesus turning water into wine. Um, that's, not even a, that's not even a scripture or a story that the, the other gospels even care to tell. But John uses it as his first miracle story or first miracle account of Jesus. And I, I think it's a fun one when you think about Jesus turning water into wine. Remember the context. You can go read it in John chapter 2. He kind of gets in a little tiff with his mom. His mom is a little bit bossing him around as a mom should. And Jesus is Jesus. And he's not sure that he should be bossed around by his mom. But then later does exactly what his mom asked him to do like a good son would. But the point of this story in John chapter 2 is Jesus is taking what was considered of the day very strict Jewish Jewish ritual uh, requirements when it came to water pots. Water pots were uh, were ritual um, uh, avenues to take um, water to a sacrifice to go to the temple. It was it was where you were supposed to get the holy water, I guess is the best way we would know it as, but it was living water. And they would take these these water pots and they would fill them up and they were ritual waters to bring to Jesus or, or sorry, to bring to the altar. Jesus takes these ritual water pots, these strict Jewish ritual um, traditions, and he takes those same water pots in Cana and he then has the ritual waters and he purifies them and he turns the water that was, should should have been going towards a Jewish tradition and a ritual and he turns it into wine. He, he makes a miracle out of it. I love that about Jesus. I think Jesus just likes to do things his own way. So we see water in John chapter 2. Then we see a really significant story. We might spend most of our time here in John chapter 4 today. I don't know how far we'll get. But the good thing about these podcasts is we have episodes after episodes. So hopefully you'll enjoy it and you'll keep listening. But John chapter four is that strange story about a Samaritan woman that Jesus meets at the well. Now, I personally love this story. It's a special story to me because when I went to seminary several years ago, I was at a, I was at a dark time in my life. It was a difficult time. I was, my, I was in a sense, questioning my faith. I had gone through a traumatic experience personally, and I was in this season of life wondering how good God really was. And if he was so good, I wanted him to show that to me. But more than that, you know, I'd gr- I'd been raised in a great church that believed in women in ministry and women could preach in our church. And I had seen some women preach and and, and our tradition believed that it was biblical that women teach and preach and all those things. But I remember going into sem- seminary because it was still a very debated hot topic in in Christendom and other churches strictly disagreed with the ability for women to preach or teach and so I went into seminary and I remember having this prayer with the Holy Spirit I just said God if 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 you're calling me into this and 
if women in ministry is of you and if it's biblical, I, I want to know. But if it's not, reveal that to me. If, if I'm off base, if I've believed in something or been taught something that maybe is not scriptural and has no basis in, in the text, then teach me that. And I took a class called Women in Ministry. And I remember the first day of our class um, of this specific course, the professor took us to John chapter 4. It was a powerful text. And the way she unpacked it, many of you know the, the context. It's a Samaritan woman who goes to the the very sacred well, which was Jacob's well. This was a sacred place for, for the Jews in particular. And this is where they would draw water. Well, a Samaritan woman goes in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, the text says. Well, why would she go in the heat of the day? Well, she was probably an outcast. It was, it was rare for, for anyone to be at the well at this time of day, except for those that were not considered a part of society and who didn't want to be seen. So we have this woman, a Samaritan woman, who goes to the well in the heat of the day, and then Jesus appears. Jesus is um, on a journey and needs some water. He's a, it shows a very human part of Jesus. He goes and he needs to get some water. So he goes to this well and he encounters this Samaritan woman, a woman who in their culture and day uh, is someone who's a complete outcast. In fact, according to the Jewish law, a rabbi who Jesus was should never have been speaking to a woman in public. He wouldn't even speak to his own wife in public, according to uh to the Jewish law. Rabbis shouldn't be talking to a woman in general in public. And yet here he is at a well in a public place in the middle of the day and he starts engaging conversation with this woman. Well, as I was taking this this course in seminary, I remember the professor highlighting things that I had never really seen before, which was the way in which Jesus valued and showed value to a woman that probably in, in their time and day didn't even deserve it. And he does it over a a discourse over a conversation about living water. Now, if you look at the scripture, and I hope you can read along with us, and maybe after this podcast, you'll be excited to go back and read the account in Genesis 4, but let me just summarize it if I can. Genesis 4, Jesus is um, asking the woman to give him some water. He says, I'm thirsty. Can you give me some water? And she answers, probably not in the way that Jesus wants her. And he goes, if you would know who I am, you would have asked for living water. Well, to her, she thinks Jesus is talking about actual flowing water. Living water in this context in the Greek meant a like a flowing, abundant water. So probably like a like a creek nearby or a stream of water. Living water in their context meant it was moving, it was rushing, it was flowing. It wasn't water that's standing still in a well, but it would be maybe a creek nearby, something that's living water. So she misunderstands Jesus. She She's thinking Jesus has like this, I, he knows this creek around the corner and he's going to take her there. No, no, Jesus is telling her, this woman who doesn't deserve to even be in a conversation with a man, certainly not a Jewish man, tells her that he is the living water. What I like about this is twofold. I like that Jesus is using scripture and we're not maybe going to fully get into it today. Maybe we will. He's basically quoting Old Testament texts. He's talking, he's using a reference from Ezekiel. He's using a reference from other Old Testament, Jeremiah, Isaiah, texts about Jesus being fulfilling the law by being living water. But more than that, he's showing value to the lowest of the low. This is what's so cool about Jesus. He doesn't just show value to women and by taking a very influential, a woman uh, who is properly dressed and is living in a proper uh, situation, who is of the same um, maybe 
uh, group of people that would be around Jesus. But he speaks to a Samaritan who, if you know anything about history of of the the Samaritan and Jews uh, relationship, it's not real great. They don't love each other. And Jesus speaks to a woman who has no value in her culture, but yet Jesus gives her value. And I remember my professor explaining, if Jesus can show value to the lowest of society when it comes to a woman in that day, doesn't he speak to the value of all women? And furthermore, what do we see at the end of John chapter 4? This woman becomes one of the first and the greatest evangelists declaring what Jesus has done. She runs into the village and says, oh my gosh, I've met this prophet. He he knows everything about me. And you've got to hear about who this Jesus is. There's something about Jesus going to the lowest and he does a good job. And he did it with water. He did it at a well. Now, John chapter five gives us this awesome other picture of water. There's a sick man in John's gospel, who goes to the Pool of Siloam. If you know the Pool of Siloam, it was supposedly a ritual place where if people could get in the water, they'd be healed. It was like not magic waters, but it was very like, um, it was very sacred. It was a, they, were, they were sacred waters. And they believed if you could get people into this water, they'd be healed. Well, a lame man can't get up and get himself into the water. So he's sitting right outside the pool and he's begging for someone to pick him up and put him in this water. And people walk by him. Sorry, dude, you know, like, sorry, can't help you. And all of a sudden Jesus approaches the man and instead of picking the man up and putting him in the sacred water so that he could be healed, Jesus just heals him. He just heals him outside of the water, right next to the pool of Siloam, speaking to all the people who might have been watching, particularly those that were Pharisees and Sadducees, I'm sure, to show them that I am the living water. I am the one that you've been looking for. And the thing that you've been searching for is me, not this. So you have this John chapter two, John chapter four, John chapter five. Then you get to John chapter seven. And John chapter seven is is an echo of Isaiah 55 when when it's spoken by the prophet Isaiah and he says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Then in John chapter seven, you see in verses 37 and 39, Jesus says, let me, let me, let me read it in my, in my Bible. If you hear the pages, it's because I got a real Bible, not even a version Bible with me. I have my real Bible. ESV is my favorite. If you want to know, I'm going to read from the ESV. It says on John chapter seven, verse 37, on the first day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. All of a sudden, we get this river, this water, this living water theme again in John's gospel. And we're only in chapter seven, so it gets even crazier as we keep going and we'll get there throughout this podcast. But I want to sit here for a minute. This is fascinating. Jesus is declaring to anyone, if you're thirsty, remember, remember what thirst feels like. We talked about it already, that, that unquenchable sense you get done from a workout or a hike or you're outside in the heat and you just want a a glass of cold water. I like cold water. I don't know about you. Some of you, my husband likes water with no ice. I don't understand that. I like water with extra ice and I particularly like the Chick-fil-A ice. You know what I'm talking about? I think Sonic has that ice too. I don't go to Sonic, but I love Chick-fil-A. And I will go to Chick-fil-A just to order a large cup of ice and water. I'll ask for a little water, but I want that. There's just something that quenches that thirst. 
Here's Jesus saying, hey, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. And it's just this beautiful announcement. Now, why is John chapter 7 so cool? Why is any of this water theme cool? Some of you are like, we get it, water. Well, let me explain something. It says on the last day of the feast, the feast that we're talking about here in John chapter 7 is the Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, this is a feast that Moses had um, started long ago. You read about it in the Old Testament. He started these feasts. It was it was uh, a festival to remember what God had done for them. In fact, a lot of times they prayed for rain during this feast. It was an annual feast. People would come from all over. They would camp. They would set up tents, and it was a seven-day feast. And every day of this feast, the priests would gather together and they would get water from the pool, most likely the pool of Siloam, and they'd fill up the, their water. Remember those sacred water pots that we talked about in John chapter 2 when Jesus turns those water pots into wine. And these are the same sacred water pots that they would fill up with the pool of, the water from the pool of the Siloam, and then they would take it and they would pour it out on the altar. They pray for rain. They pray for refreshing. They pray for um, you know blessing from God, all these things. The priests would do this for seven straight days. Then on the seventh day, of this festival, the end of this festival, the the priests will do it one more time and everyone celebrates and everyone's rejoicing. And this is when Jesus, this is what blows my mind. Jesus then stands up, the Bible says on the seventh day, um, there's a great, uh, of this, of this, of this great festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now, keep in mind, this is a large festival. There's probably a lot of people. And I imagine as I read this, is Jesus just so awesome? Has he just been sitting there for seven days with them, watching them go take these water pots from the pool and taking them to the altar and dumping them, knowing, knowing he's the fulfillment, knowing he's the actual source, knowing he's the only one that can satisfy and quench or or or, or quench the thirst of their soul and their heart and the longings. And he's just sitting there watching them for seven days. Like what's going through Jesus's mind? And yet all of a sudden, the seventh day, when the festival's over, he stands up and he and he declares and he cries out. In fact, the word for for cried out in the Greek is is actually quite dramatic. It's it's to speak with a loud voice is what it means. So it's it's kind of dramatic. Like Jesus isn't just like, excuse me, excuse me, like, hey, he stands up, declares, cries out, speaks with a loud voice. He says, if anyone is thirsty, if you're if you're if you're hurting, if you're lonely, if you're discouraged, if you're feeling weary, whatever you need, come to me and I will give you a drink. It was pretty provocative, actually. It was it was scandalous for Jesus to be saying this at the end of the Feast of the Tabernacle, where they'd been taking this water, the sacred water, and they've been bringing it upon the altar. And they've been asking for God to bless them with refreshing, with rain, with water. And then Jesus says, I'm the one who fulfills that. It's crazy, isn't it? That's who Jesus is. Jesus comes into these sacred places, into this space where they were looking for the wrong thing. Have you ever been there? Where you've been so thirsty and you go into your, uh, uh, you know, you open the refrigerator and you try to grab like a soda or a pop. I don't know why I say soda because I never say soda, but maybe it's going to bless someone who says soda. I say pop. If you're from Idaho, you say pop. Um, Or LaCroix or, you know, Gatorade's pretty good, but there's nothing quite like water. And I think Jesus is saying in this situation, all those things that we have looked for, for refreshment and for life and for hope and for joy and for our future, 
cannot be found outside of Jesus. It's only Jesus who will satisfy the longings of your soul and the deepest parts of your life. Jesus is the living water. Then it goes on to say, out of the out of your heart or out of his heart, they're talking about the believers, about those who accept the drink from Jesus, out of your heart will then flow rivers of living water. Can you imagine that when you're thirsty, not only would you get enough drink for you, uh, isn't that that satisfying feeling? And you know when you've gotten enough water, you know, when you're drinking it, when you're super thirsty, you drink it, you maybe you're gulping it, maybe you're getting it down fast. And then you know the moment that you are refreshed, that you your thirst has been quenched. And then now you're, you're kind of revitalized. You got some, you know, you're a little bit re- rejuvenated. And now you can, you know, go out and do something else. Or maybe you can go out back outside and keep gardening. Or you can keep continuing on your run or whatever you're doing. It's amazing when you can reach that point of fulfillment and satisfaction. What's able to then come out of you. Jesus doesn't just give us living water for us. He gives us living water. So then out of our heart would flow rivers of living water. We will then be as if to say Jesus gives us an opportunity to to be a part of what he's building and who he is. Now we have out of our heart flowing rivers of living water. One of the cool things about where we live is we live right near the water, my husband and I, near um, here in Boise, we have what's called a green belt in the Boise River. And it's a beautiful place to walk, bike, um, and and just enjoy the river. And we've been pretty frequently walking by the river almost every day. I say that and then I look at him. He's sitting here as I'm doing this. And I think we did it once this week, but we'll get back on that. Okay. But recently we've been walking quite a bit and it's been fun to watch the river um, get higher and move swifter and faster. And it's it started out when we started getting our walks in. You know, the water was pretty low and it was moving pretty slow. Um, but as uh, as the season goes on, there's more and more water going in the Boise River, and it's it's getting faster, it's getting higher, and it, honestly, it's getting a little scary. Um, I start to wonder why people want to get in the the rivers. It, rivers are I have a holy fear for rivers. If you grow up in a, in the West like we, where we are, we have white water um, up north, and so we go white water rafting. And let me tell you something: you have a holy fear for that water. That water is is beautiful and it's powerful. Um, but you have you have a respect for the river because the river can refresh you. But there's also, if you're not careful, if you don't understand the power of the river, you you won't, you'll miss the point of it. And I think Jesus is not only refreshing, but he's also powerful. And I, I hope that we don't go to Jesus just looking for refreshment, but we go to him knowing that he is the source of all power, that he is, he's a powerful force and a source of water and refreshing but there's power in Jesus. He's not just a, oh, a nice little, you know, creek. That's how I imagine a creek. Creek is cute, you know? Jesus is not cute. Jesus is refreshing and powerful. And he is, and he claims it himself, he is the living water. Whatever else we're searching for, Jesus beats it. He's a better fulfillment than anything else we could hope for, we could long for, we could look for. And I think many of us look for other sources of to quench our thirst. Now I know I'm using a lot of like actual 
thirst analogies like, you know, water, LaCroix, coffee, whatever your choice of drink is, Gatorade maybe it is. But let's talk about the thirst of our soul. What are the things that your soul longs for? That when it's thirsty, it goes for? Does it go towards Jesus, who is the living water and the only one who can quench that thirst? Or do you go to other places or other avenues or other sources? Are we like the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well? You remember she had several husbands and Jesus told her, you're not even, you're not even married now. The man you're living with, you're just, you're living with the man. You're not even married to him. And she's a woman that's been looking for um, something to quench the thirst of her soul. And she was doing it probably through sexual relationships or through this relationship or that, or trying to find source and validation and value through a man. And, and Jesus was saying, that won't complete you. I will complete you. I am the living water. I don't know what your story is and I don't I don't know uh, you know where you are as you're listening to this but I want to encourage all of us as we think about Jesus as living water he is the only one the only one who can quench the thirst that you have what is that thirst can I can I pause for a second and make you think about it what do you thirst for what is the thing that you long for what's the thing that your soul struggles with what is what is the area of your life that that you keep trying to quench, but yet it never seems to, that thirst and that desire never seems to be quenched. Let's do something. Let's practice something. Maybe maybe this podcast will have practices. I don't know. It's the first episode. We can do whatever we want. But let's practice this week. Taking our thirst to Jesus. Handing it over to the one who is and always will be and the only one who ever can be living water. And let's offer it over to him and let's see what he does with that thirst. Will he quench it? Yes. Yes, he will. How does he do it? Well, he in himself fulfills the desires and the longings that you have now and forever. So here's the practice we must we must partake in. We must practice taking our thirsts, our longings, and our desires and bringing them to Jesus, offering them to him, and then letting him quench every thirst we may have. How does that look like practically? Practically for me, it means every time I desire something outside of Jesus, I bring it to the foot of Jesus. And I say, Jesus, I desire you more than this. Even if you took this away from me, I would still love you. I would still serve you. I would still uh, um, talk about you and declare your name the rest of my days. That's when you know that Jesus is the only one who quenches your soul. I can't imagine, but... It'd be like saying as a mother, Jesus, I give you, I give you my babies. I, I trust you with them more than anything in this world. I give you my spouse. I give you my, my, the desires for a spouse. I give you my dream for this job or this amount of money or, or this kind of house or this kind of car or, or, or whatever it might be that's in your soul. When you can hand it over to Jesus, who is the living water, then his promise to you in John chapter 7 is this. And then out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Guess what that means? You'll never thirst again. You'll be satisfied. You'll be fulfilled. If you've been waiting and trying to find how to be content and fulfilled, Jesus is the answer. And he tells us right here in John chapter 7 and really throughout all the Bible because the Bible loves to talk about water. And it's all building up to this climactic moment. 
now what's going to get really exciting is that there's even a really important part in John's gospel at the very end when Jesus is on the cross talking about water. I mean, it doesn't even end here in John chapter 7. This is just where we're going to end today. But I want you to think about Jesus as the one and only, the only source that can quench the thirst in your heart. Let's give everything to Jesus and just see what his living water can do. And out of our heart just might flow rivers of living water. Hey everyone, thanks for being with us today. We hope that you were encouraged. We want to remind you to subscribe to our podcast so you can be listening in every week. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. We have our Instagram at Capital Young Adults. We also have our Facebook page. We'd love if you would follow us on there. And also, if you have any prayer requests, we want to be praying with you. Shoot us a direct message or an email. That way we can be praying with you in this time. We love you guys. We hope you have the best week and we can't wait to be back with you this time next week.